With green grass the whole year, what cheese and milk I could make. Now you tell her what you think of the trees, Andrew. Andrew cleared his throat nervously. Giving opinions was something he was not used to, but lumber was his business, and he knew it well. It looks very good from what I've seen. Of course, the extensiveness of the forests and the quality of the lumber will have to be considered before I can really judge. Marlette looked again toward the rugged hills, her eyes following the point of land that reached into the river. Her feelings in a turmoil, she watched as the ship sailed near the westernmost post of the Hudson's Bay Company, the old Astor Fort. This ill-fated attempt by John Jacob Astor to establish American dominance in this rich fur-bearing territory, although short-lived, nevertheless added substance to America's claim to the Oregon country. There were a few canoes drawn up below the post, and people moved around the stockade. However, since the expedition was already long overdue because of the unforeseen delays, they had decided not to stop here, but sail as quickly as possible upriver to Fort Vancouver. Her first look at life in the west depressed her. The fort looked forlorn, as if rejected by the wilderness from which it had been carved. Marlette turned away as she heard her father's voice. He was coming toward her with the ship's captain. She despaired at how old he looked. His face had sagged, and his coat flapped ridiculously. Though his hair grew whiter and thinner daily, his spirit never failed. No matter what happened, he remained calm and smiling, encouraging or pacifying his companions with unfailing good humor. Seeing the glow on his face and his confident step only made her more aware of their differences. "'Ah, my dear, here you are. Breakfast is ready.' "'Good morning, Father. Captain. I'm afraid the sight of land is much more appealing right now than the cook's breakfast.' Her father chuckled as von Hout said, "Ya, yeah, but you come eat anyway. A strong wind could blow you away.' The captain nodded in agreement. "'Aye, lass, you should eat. You'll nay be able to walk the good earth if you do not keep up your strength.' She nodded and took her father's arm, following the others toward the steps. Her eye rested on the captain's solid figure. Her only regret on leaving the ship was that she would not see this flinty-eyed Scotsman again. They found their places in the cramped dining quarters, which smelled strongly of coffee and salt pork. Even Isaac Thompson joined them, looking pale, but well enough to complain. They had long since learned to talk over and around him. Marlette often felt sorry for him. He was a failure both as a person and a lawyer, but the partners in his firm were not. They had money and influence, and he was their emissary. Today the excitement was evident in the men's voices as they neared their destination. Marlette didn't share their enthusiasm. Instead, her mind drifted back to the beginning. It had really begun when she and her father attended a lecture by Jason Lee of the Methodist Mission in the Oregon country. Lee had spoken glowingly of the richness and beauty of Oregon and the great things that could be accomplished if he had more money, more settlers, and United States protection for the Americans already in Oregon. Jason Lee's fervent concern for the Oregon country infected Joshua Brightwood. No amount of reasoning had sufficed to persuade him it was folly for a man in his fifties to become an explorer. He was convinced the ultimate destiny of the Oregon country rested on the results of his expedition.
He recruited the unlikely members of the party through advertisements in the large eastern papers, hoping for men of considerable substance to finance the exploration. Although the response had not come in the quantity he had hoped for, at least each man had paid his way, and all had something valuable to contribute to the success of the journey. During the voyage, the plans and ideas for the exploration of the Oregon country became an obsession with all but Marlette and Gaylord Taylor. Gay was an unwilling volunteer. His father was a wealthy banker and often a financial friend in the early years of her father's struggling wagon-building business. Joshua could hardly refuse when George Taylor had asked them to take Gay along. At first it had been beyond her understanding why any man would willingly suffer hardship and possible death for no more reward than just having done it. But as she listened to them, week upon month, repeating their philanthropic and political